Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Monday, May 30th. Happy Memorial Day to everyone out there. I hope you had a fantastic holiday weekend, chilling on boats or out on the river or traveling somewhere great. Yes, but I hope you also remember that what this weekend is all about and remembrance of those who have served this country of ours. So thank you to any veterans out there who have served this country. Shout out to my mom. I love you. And also, you know, thank you to those who are actively serving as well. So we appreciate everything that you do. We've got a great show coming up for you today. We'll be talking big travel news and the latest in the cruise industry. But before I bring on today's guest, though, a quick note to my travel advisor listeners. Do not miss the Groups Family and Adventure Expo, which takes place this week, June 1st and June 2nd from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern time on both days. Selling groups can provide a great way for you to substantially increase your income. Join the expo to gain knowledge and insight from industry experts, and attendees will also be eligible to win prizes. You can register over at www.virtualtravelevents.com. And now joining me on the show today is John Maddox, travel advisor with Tropical Getaways Travel. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks for having me, Eric. Appreciate it. Yes, welcome back to the show. John has been on before talking cruise as well, which we're going to be focusing on again later on in the episode. We'll discuss the latest in cruising and whether or not the industry is being treated fairly now. Uh, But first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening, let's dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with Memorial Day air travel numbers so far, what we know from the TSA right now. Again, happy happy Memorial Day there to you, John. We've got 2.3 million passengers on Thursday and Friday nearly 2.1 million on Sunday. So not quite matching 2019, but we're close there as 2019's highest totals were 2.5 million and definitely a huge boost from what we saw in 2020, which was only around 350,000, 250,000 range. Uh, And that, and then 2021 numbers around Memorial Day holiday was around 1.6, 1.9 around the peak there. So, you know, looking a little bit better than last year, which is great. Uh, But the weekend did see a lot of delays and cancellations by the thousands around the United States there. It was very unfortunate if you had your travel plans impacted on that. Uh, John, did you think this Memorial Day weekend might have, did you think it was going to match 2019 going into it as there was a lot of buildup around summer travel? And are you surprised that there were a large number of delays and cancellations? Uh, The answer to both uh, questions are no, it doesn't surprise me at all. There is I hate this phrase, but there is so much pent up demand for travel and people ready to get back out there. Um, As far as delays and cancellations, you know, they, the airlines are suffering through what every business is suffering through, you know, uh, staff shortages and all sorts of supply chain issues. And um, so I wasn't really surprised. Um, I even thought it might be a little higher because this is kind of the first real holiday, although the pandemic's not over kind of post pandemic, uh, to where people really had that long weekend. So, you know, I, I'd like to think without all the delays and cancellations, maybe we could have approached that 2.5 million number. Right. Yeah. The, you, you have to factor that in and what sort of role that played in. So the numbers, but I didn't think we would necessarily surpass 2019. I'm glad to see that we're, pre- we're very close to it. I'm not surprised at all about the cancellations as well for the same exact reasons you mentioned. But, you know, numbers wise, uh, I think we can surpass July 4th stuff. I think we're going to see a really big uh, push around that holiday weekend, more so than what has shown through Memorial Day. I mean, uh, it'll be around Tuesday morning, around 10 a.m. or so is usually when they um, announce what the previous days. Uh, so Monday's number. So you, a lot of people traveling back home today for sure. So it'll be interesting to see what that yields as far as uh, compared to 
previous days on the weekend, but Thursday and Friday before Memorial Day are usually the big push, and that's where we saw our 2.3 million. So, but we did have in the last 22 days, daily passenger traffic has eclipsed the 2 million or more flyer marks on 18 out of that 22. So that is that is impressive. Recovery is on the way. It's really good to see there. So, and we do um, know that Americans are going to be spending a record-breaking 194 billion dollars on summer travel in 2022, according to Allianz Partners USA's 14th annual vacation confidence index. Uh, Coming out with their data, they say that they are projecting U.S. travelers' average anticipated spending on vacations this summer is around $2,644, a 25% increase over 2021, and a 40% increase from 2020, and a 30% increase from 2019. So Allianz attributes the increase in vacation spending to a combination of rising travel costs with U.S. inflation approaching a 40-year high, in addition to uh, John's favorite phrase, pent-up demand, and a wealth of banked vacation days and healthy travel budgets. So we did have that come out this past week, along with the U.S. Travel Association, their vice president, Tori Emerson Barnes, uh, been on the podcast before, great lady there, pushing and advocating for congressional bills to be passed that would aid in the recovery of the travel industry. So doing great work out there. We appreciate that. Those bills, though, are the Visit America Act and the Travel and Tourism Act. They would establish an assistant secretary for travel and tourism position at the U.S. Department of Commerce, and it would also set inbound visitation goals and a national travel and tourism strategy to facilitate uh, U.S. bids for large international events and trade shows, which would bring a lot of money to the economy there. So, John, what do you make of these bills here and then the $194 billion projection for summer travel? So on the $194 billion, uh, that doesn't surprise me because you said I kind of specialize in cruises. And I've noticed that most of the cruise lines are saying the average spend per client is up on board, meaning with onboard purchases, drink packages, photo packages, shore excursions, all that stuff. Because as you said, all those factors of I haven't been able to travel for two years. So we're going to, I've had several clients say, hey, we haven't traveled for two years. I'm ready to blow it out of the water this summer. Um I think that is a huge part of it. Now, for the bills in Congress, I hope everybody's sitting down for this, but uh, I, I don't know how that's going to work with the log jam that we have in Congress. And just, you know, I have no faith that they're going to pass any real meaningful legislation. Uh, I believe it was on the table last year, the bill that would give Americans a tax credit uh, for booking travel. I think that's yeah. probably dead. And I, I just I just don't foresee... Uh, people being willing to give on some things to get these bills through to help travel advisors out at all. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's an unfortunate situation right now, but, you know, travel, travel in general just can't rely on the government to help. We're just going to have to surge forward and do the best we can with our available resources. That's a good point. Yeah. You got to push forward no matter what is going to happen through this. So it would certainly be great to aid in the industry on that. And like you said, with that travel tax credit, I was going to bring that up too. That was talked about for a bunch in 2020 and then all re-brought up by different senators and stuff in 2021. And here we are in almost June now of 2022 and there was nothing about that. So, you know, I, I do commend them in, in the push to, to get this pack past and i ultimately hope it does because it would benefit the industry for sure but i kind of lean with you too john man i did the government stuff takes a while and there's a logjam of a lot going on just you know whether with with travel and just around the world in general around the u.s in general with uh, everything so it will be interesting but i'm not gonna hold my breath I'm, I'm with you on that so listeners out there let us know what you think podcast at travelpulse.com give me a shout and give me your thoughts on that As we segue over to destination news, I'm just kind of going to read through some very positive news about 
some destinations dropping COVID restrictions. We've got U.S. Virgin Islands removed all COVID-19 restrictions for domestic travelers. Japan is reopening to group tours in June. Sorry, June 10th. That is fantastic. All right. And Germany is easing COVID-19 travel restrictions starting June 1st as well. Morocco loosened their COVID-19 travel restrictions too. So a lot more destinations reopening and dropping um, protocols in place and certain things that you need, whether it's PCR tests before you go, if you just have to be vaccinated, you know, the best way to stay on top of that, we do have a uh, country by country tracker up on it's a COVID resource map on travelpulse.com. You can check that out. And obviously for consumer out there, you know, make sure you're working with a travel advisor because they're going to be on top of all that as well. So John, great news for the industry on that stuff. But do you think it's time that all restrictions should be removed? I know that is a discussion that comes up quite a bit um, among us, our readers as well. So I'm curious your thoughts on that front. It's going to be an unpopular opinion, but no, I think it's, I think it's dependent upon the destination because we as Americans, we tend to sometimes think that, you know, America's everywhere, right? Like everybody's in the same station with this. And that's just not true. There are some countries with low destination or with low vaccination rates or, you know, higher rates of COVID. So I think every country needs to do that uh, kind of piece by piece. Now I will say, that the one thing that needs to end about three months ago is the ridiculous testing to get back into the U.S. when you fly from a foreign destination. Um, if I can cross by land and I can return by sea without a test, then why do I have to do one before I get on an airplane and fly? I think that is more so than any bills. That is the single biggest hold up to international travel right now as far as from the U.S. Um, you know, it's great to see other countries removing those restrictions. And there, it's just got to be on a country-by-country country basis. Like, I can't imagine uh, there are several countries in Africa that have a less than 15% vaccination rate. Um, a couple of European nations are lagging, a couple of the Asian nations. So, it just it really needs to be, and that's both ways. You know, the governments need to decide and uh, travelers need to decide what their risk tolerance is. That's why the testing is so ridiculous. Let people decide their tolerance for risk. Um and the people they deal with on a daily basis, their their chances of getting sick, their chances of passing it to people that don't need to catch it, um, you know. And I would also urge travelers, and I try to do this with all my clients. Uh, American rules do not transfer with you when you go to a foreign country. You have to abide by their rules, their policies, and, and their regulations. And it, it's just. It's really important to remember that. And if we want to get past this, that is one of the things that we as travelers can do, right? Is we can do our best to not spread COVID or monkeypox or whatever disease around the world by just adhering to whatever the local uh, travel or the local governments want. And if you don't agree with their policies, then just don't go and don't end up on Eric's naughty passenger list. It is out there. Yes, there's some crazy passengers out there for sure. So I'm with you on that. I think it's dependent on, you know, case by case basis of where what's going on in that given country at the time. So six months from now, you know, my opinion might change a little bit as how depending on where we're at in the world with COVID and stuff. But right now, I, I don't fault a country for sure on that. I don't think I ever will. But I mean, we're inching closer and closer to the point where it's like, okay, you got to drop, you, you got to start reopening, like focus on a reopening strategy and plan, which is finally what we're seeing in Japan. So that's great there. But yeah, like you said, it's the the biggest rule, the biggest issue of, of a rule in place that is impacting travel right now is that return test home. So we'll touch on more of that later and how that fits in with cruising and stuff too. But as we segue into more destination news, we had some uh, information uh, news on the 
fees front, as I told you guys uh, about a month ago or so, Venice set forth a date and it was going to be June where they're going to put in their tourist entry fees. Now they've postponed that to 2023. And also last week, the U.S. decided that they're going to increase the tra- inbound travel fee for international visitors on that, as well, that generated some very interesting comments on our Facebook page about whether or not we should be charging on that stuff and how we should be reacting south of the border and uh, yada, yada, yada. But it was, it was, it, it would like blew up and I was like, wow, did not expect this kind of uh, feedback or inf- uh, comments on this here story. But all right, you, know, you never know with Facebook sometimes, right? So uh, we also saw some activists this past week. Um, they want Hawaii to instate a green fee for tourism to help give back. So, John, do you think that Hawaii should have that? Do you think more places should add tourist fees? I don't know about should, but, you know, what a lot of people also have to understand from a business standpoint, these nations that rely on tourism for all the reasons you mentioned earlier suffered greatly in 2020 and even into 2021. And just like with the airlines, when they said, oh, we're doing away with change fees. And I told <laughs> I told people, I was like, don't worry, they're going to make that up somewhere else. And that's certainly what has happened, raising fares, raising uh the cost of this, the cost of that. This is just basically a way for countries and states, you know, Hawaii especially, to recoup some of that. Now, if they can tie that into a uh, corporate or social responsibility initiative, uh, I don't think people are too discouraged. And frankly, the ones like I think Mexico is ten dollars. Like it's yeah. not, it's not onerous by any stretch of the imagination. I don't, you know, I don't hear any complaints about it. I don't think it's a big enough deal. Um, now, if it starts getting pricey, then that might, you know, if you're going to charge me an extra hundred bucks to come to Mexico, then that's significant yeah. or 50 bucks to go to Jamaica, whatever. I think that's when it gets a little out of hand. But, you know, the thing travelers also have to remember here, Eric, is these countries suffered greatly. So if they want the same level of service that they're used to getting when they go to Italy or Jamaica or the Dominican or Mexico, then that comes at a somewhat of a cost like there's no you know the old economics adage there's no such thing as a free lunch so you've got to make up that lost revenue some way and as long as they do it in a reasonable manner uh, then i don't really see a problem with it well said yeah i'm with you on that i I don't have any issue with tourist fees i think hawaii should add one in there i'm honestly surprised that there's not a that they didn't push that out you know with this pandemic coming through it, since they did suffer greatly, and tourism is so, they're so reliant on tourism in Hawaii. But, you know, they're going to do what they want to do. And Hawaii, I mean, Hawaii was very strict about throughout this entire process. So that's why I did a little, that was an, another reason why it kind of surprised me that they, they didn't, you know, just toss that on there as well. So we'll see, you know, in the coming years or whatever, if it does happen. That's, I mean, it needs legislation needs to be passed for Hawaii to do all that. So there, there are activists pushing for that, uh, Hawaii green fee. So, you can check that out. I don't have an issue. It, like you said, uh, Mexico's is actually like it's like $11. So, I mean, if it's going to be, you know, uh, triple uh, digits there, then I think that's where issues will, will come into hand. But if you're going to charge me 10, 15, 20 bucks at most, I feel like is pretty reasonable per tourist there, then yeah, get your money. Get your money. I'm all, I'm all for that. So, um, yeah. yeah. You know, Eric, and another thing real quick about Hawaii, um, you know, they have really cracked down on the Airbnbs and the vacation rental Mm -hmm. industry there and are charging a lot of fees there. So that may be a little bit of pushback to travelers and, and, you know, even from property owners in Hawaii are like, look, you know, we've already got to pay all this extra money and we've got to get these licenses, these permits, and now you're going to charge people more money. So they've got to walk a real fine line there of not making it more difficult to travel to Hawaii. 
Absolutely, yes. And speaking of difficult travel, that might be in the forecast for some people, depending on when they decide to take their trips, uh, particularly to the Caribbean, as that is usually the destinations impacted the most by hurricane season, which begins June 1st and runs through November. And the uh, it's uh, being forecasted and projected, should I say, as an above average hurricane season this year. And that could greatly impact travelers. And we're already seeing some data that shows people are opting for Europe over the Caribbean because of that. And well, not necessarily entirely because of that, but that's also just because Europe is finally reopened compared to last summer where it was very few places reopened. But John, how do you deal with your clients in hurricane season and impacting that, especially with cruising and stuff? Yeah, I, uh, I'm not a, a weather aficionado, but it's actually one of my hobbies. And as a matter of fact, it's funny you mention it. There's Hurricane Agatha just off the western coast of Mexico, currently forecast to move in early next week into the Gulf uh, over towards Cancun and Cozumel. Uh, you know, what I tell people is, number one, it's more than five to seven days out. It's really difficult to, and even shorter than that, to know exactly when and where a hurricane is going to hit. Um, I'll get on my soapbox. This is why travel insurance is so important. Um, gives you an opportunity to reschedule, rebook if if something comes up. Uh, if your travel advisor or your supplier is not telling you about travel insurance, then really you should go look at it and, and get it yourself. Um, but, you know, the thing about cruises I tell people is they're like, well, should I do a cruise or an all-inclusive resort in – what they call her in hurricane season. And I said, well, the advantage to a cruise ship is they go, Hey, look, there's a hurricane. We'll go over there. Um, Because it's in their interest to not drive you into the middle of a hurricane. Right. So, because the the captain doesn't want the big waves and the high winds and the rain any more than you do. Um, And there are some destinations that are quote safer from that than others. When you get down in the far Southern Caribbean, the ABC islands, St. Lucia, places like that, they're kind of out of that hurricane belt. So they don't see as many storms, but you know, this is, we're seeing this every year, Eric, it's more and more active every year, bigger, more destructive storms. Just, you know, have that travel insurance ready and have a plan in place and be what's our word from 2020 and 2021 with travel, be flexible, be willing to change, Um, you know, understand, again, assess your personal level of risk. Some people, hurricanes scare them to death. Some people, it wouldn't bother them if it rained for a day or two. But just, you know, keep an eye on the weather as you get closer. Don't start watching. I have clients all the time that look at a 15-day forecast, especially in Mexico. This is my favorite. It's going to rain the day we're in Mexico. Well, number one, it's 15 days out. Number two, it rains in New Mexico pretty much every day for like five minutes, and then the day is over, or the rain is over. So just, you know, nothing to panic about, but just kind of watch the weather and, you know, just pay attention again and say, hey, you know what? This storm looks really big and really bad, so I probably need to reschedule. But again, back to travel insurance. It's an absolute must, especially this time of year. Great advice indeed. Yes, travel insurance is key especially hurricane season wise. And that's a good tip there. Maybe if you are on the fence about what sort of vacation you want to do, and it does fall into, you know, the, the uh, September timeframe, October of really strong hurricanes. I feel like you, you see them a lot more around then more so than you do like July or something like that. If you're thinking then maybe go with a cruise. So that is good advice there, John. And that wraps up what has been trending in the world of travel in the last week. Any additional thoughts, you guys can drop me an email, podcast at travelpulse.com. So now we're going to jump over to the theme of this week's show, which is on 
Cruising. So, John, more and more cruise lines are returning to full fleets. It's great to see. The restart is going well. Royal just celebrated big with a live stream last week. Uh, Royal Caribbean and Carnival also said came out with releases that they've cruised with over 200 or two million, 200. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, they've cruised with 2 million passengers since the restart of cruising. Can't speak today, but that is fantastic news right there for the cruise industry. So can you tell us a little bit more? What are some of the latest trends in cruising right now? You know, for the onboard experience, what do people need to know about the current landscape with cruising right now? Uh, cruising is safer than going to your local grocery store. Uh, all the cruise lines require Full vaccinations, I think it's actually 90% of guests now, 100% of crew. Uh, you have to test to get on board. Uh, cruise ships have always been clean, and they're even cleaner now. You know, I said this back in 2020, for the 24 to 36 months following this whole COVID ordeal, there will never be a cleaner or safer time to cruise. Um, you know, one of the things I've had to encourage clients on is uh, patience. Uh, cruise lines are struggling to get work visas for some people. Uh, Carnival's even gone as far as closing down Chef's Table, uh, the Mexican or the Italian restaurant Cucina, and uh, you know, so some of those services are limited on board, especially with Carnival. Um, and, and that's one thing the cruise lines are having to balance right now. Is yes, all the ships are back in service, but as they approach full capacity, the guest experience could be somewhat diminished because you've got let's say you've got 150 less people on a ship uh, on the crew, then that definitely impacts the level of service. Um, so just patience, you know, that that's the the big key that, that I'm encouraging, you know, encouraging people. What I've noticed are people are starting to get comfortable taking longer cruises, five day, seven day, 10 day. Um, you know, early on, it was the quick four day in and out, uh, get back, you know, because some of that had to do with testing and people didn't want to risk getting exposed to COVID on a ship. But I've noticed that people are extending out a little bit further now. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of planning for next spring break. Um, just this week, I think 10 calls for people wanting to cruise in 2023 because a lot of people are hopeful that the vaccine requirement will go away uh, by then. Uh, still tell people to hold their breath but um you know that that's been the big thing I, i've seen as time has gone on i've seen less and less of a backlash with the vaccine requirement frankly uh i have several people that have gotten vaccinated just for the sole purpose of being able to cruise wow. um but but i think it's trending up and i think that you know if people will be patient and if we can figure out what the hold up with all the work visas are uh it's not a shortage of employees due to people not wanting to work on the ships. It is they can't figure out how to get the visas done. So, you know, those are kind of some of the things I'm seeing, uh, you know, again, pent up demand, people want to cruise. I've had most of my clients are people that have cruised before, but I am seeing an increase in new, you know, people that have never been on a cruise ship before, but they have talked to a friend who's went on a cruise and said how great of a time they had. Uh, hopefully now those were on board Carnival Freedom or Harmony of the Seas, uh, whatever day that was last week that was not a banner day for cruising. Um, but yeah, so it's it's trended up and it's gotten better. Um, you know, I, I still think it's going to take time. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, I think I heard Carnival say 2023. Royal's kind of in that same pardon the pun, same boat of that's when we will get back to 2019 levels. I just think it's going to take time. And as long as coronavirus stays under control, I think people will ease back into it. 
I agree. Yeah. And that's, I think that's really encouraging too, that you've seen a lot of interest from new clients and new cruisers and amazing that people literally just got vaccinated so that they could go on a cruise. That's, that's the power of travel in that sense. So that that's great there. And the, you mentioned the staffing issues and the visa stuff as well. And that was one thing that our recent, we actually have um, our lead cruise writer, Teresa Norton. She's on the Holland America Lines Rotterdam and their christening cruise, which just happened uh, this evening. And she put out a piece, though, previously because she was talking to Holland America's executives and everything. And their senior vice president of guest experience, Michael Smith, told her that like the whole of the cruise industry, they are suffering with great staff uh, with getting staff onto the ships for a variety of reasons, quote, there's a lot of demand to work on ships, but there's also little things like visas, the Schengen visas and U.S. visas to work on the ships in U.S. waters. And that is the um, issue at hand for them. So it, we're, you're seeing that, too, not just in the Caribbean, but also in Europe as well as what Holland America is having to deal with. And they just had to put a new mask mandate back on for uh, on board for passengers there unfortunately as there's some covid outbreaks among crew that happened so we've seen other um cruise lines adjust protocols too royal did recently i know disney's got their stuff in place i'll be going on a month a month from now actually i'll be on that disney wish christening cruise so i'm looking forward to that uh please reach out to me if you're going to be on it love to, to meet up with people but you know as we've seen some lines adjust protocols recently and everything that the cruise industry has had to go through over the last two years john do you think cruise lines are still being treated unfairly Again, I, I tend to be a bit of a contrarian. I don't know that unfairly really happened with the cruise lines until it kind of drug on a little too long. I think at first the shutdown was definitely needed while the cruise lines got their act together. But I don't know if they're being treated unfairly because right now uh, the cruise lines are not really in any worse of a spot with just speaking in regards to CDC than they normally are. They have to report diseases and sicknesses every day and not just – you know, not just COVID, but they have to turn in a detailed log, if, if not every day, at least weekly. Um, you know, with my with my cynicism, I can't help but wonder if some of this work visa issue isn't somehow related to that and how cruise lines are kind of not being punished, but, you know, they publicly fought the CDC. And as I said back, I think last time I was on the program, that was going to have consequences. And you know, I've been watching the cruise cruise ship color, which you can find on the CDC uh, website. And there were, I think yesterday, I haven't checked today, but there were five ships that currently report no cases of COVID on board. Now, as Royal, you know, they one thing I think would help the cruise lines would be if they would be more transparent with numbers and say, you know, look, uh, in the last two weeks, we've had whatever that number of cases is reported on board our ships. And of those, especially if you say, well, of those, uh, 98% were asymptomatic, 1% had some symptoms, and 1% were, were severe enough cases to be hospitalized. I think if you're more transparent with your numbers, I think that helps you long term. I Certainly. understand why they don't do it. That's for competitive reasons. Having an MBA, I totally get that. <laughs> you don't want Carnival to be able to point at Royal and say, oh, look, they're you know sailing a bunch of COVID ships over there. Um, but I think that you know, there are going to be ships that are going to have mask mandates. Look, this was never going to be a flip a switch and the world's all hunky dory again. Like that just wasn't going to happen. Um, I think cruise ships are treated very unfairly by the media. Um, as we have discovered throughout this whole thing, it's that's not really specific to the cruise industry. But, you know, I posted yesterday or last week, whatever day, it seems everything's a blur that the whole Carnival Freedom incident happened. I posted a thing on my personal or on my facebook 
page that said, look, you know, you've got to read behind the headlines. I saw one headline, cruise ship on fire in the Caribbean. Well, what image does that portray? Well, that portrays a burning ship floating through the floating through the ocean. Well, what in reality happened is there was a sizable fire that was contained within 15 minutes. Nobody was hurt. Uh, saw several reports of how well Carnival handled the situation on Saturday, transferring people from the Freedom to the Conquest. Uh, so one person said it took less than 45 minutes, and they were in their room on the Conquest. Um, and that that's the kind of stuff that doesn't get reported. So I don't think the government is being unfair in as much as maybe the media is doing what media, you know, media is going to media, as I like to say. And, you know, like the whole thing with the freedom and then the harmony of the seas and it just goes on and on. And and what pe- that's why I tra- another reason a travel advisor is so important, because we we tend to kind of know the real story. Like I had someone who's a going on a sailing with me email me this morning because uh, there was a business thing was business insider article about cruise lines canceling sailings closing venues due to staffing shortages well i think norwegian canceled one or two cruises and carnival closed one restaurant so but again it's all in how that headline's worded and i would encourage people that if you see a headline like that just read the article because the article is going to be much it's going to be much less scary um having a journalism background i can also tell you that two different people write those things one person writes the headline the other person writes the article and the person that writes the headline their job is to write the most attractive headlines so you know just go kind of beyond the headlines um, it's it's very difficult. I get sucked up in it, Eric. You probably do too. It's human nature to read a headline and go, "Oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever." Again, monkeypox is the next, you know, was the next big thing, and just just read behind the headlines. Yeah, read the actual article. I've yeah. been preaching right. that before since, you share it. Exactly. Yeah, especially before you share it. Yeah, I've been preaching that uh, hardcore even more since 2020 with everything that went on in the early stages of of COVID and all that stuff. But it's interesting, you know. I, I, you, I don't want to say you crapped on the media there a little bit, but I mean, it's 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 it does happen. I mean, as someone who literally writes headlines for a living, you know, you have to go with something that is enticing, but you also don't want to be too over the top and clickbaity and you know mislead your audience because there there is a lot of misleading the audience out there, especially when it comes to cruising on certain things. So we try to be pretty fair at, at Travel Pulse here, and I think we have with you know cruise aspects of things but i do think it's a little unfair that you can go on a plane you can go in a hotel and they don't give a rat's ass about your uh vaccination status but with a cruise ship you know you still have to so i do you know i will say i think everyone should be vaccinated at this time but you know to each their own that is their decision or whatever thing but that's why you know we still see this issue with with the cruise industry and that is the thing that comes up a lot through the facebook commenters as well and the biggest issues that uh, are that they're dealing with and trying to book some, you know, some of its travel advisors and some of its regular consumers if they they're choosing not to cruise until that is removed, even though they are vaccinated. So there's a, there's a lot going on with all of that mess, and you know, I, I I think with the CDC and stuff they were at first, but yeah, I mean, you did. I'm glad you brought that up again because I was I had that in my notes of like last time I was re-listening to that. You you did call out the CDC or and, and the cruise industry about there's they're probably going to be some you know bite back on that, and here we are, and this is what we're dealing with. So. Yeah, and and I also think, you know, a couple things about the vaccination requirements. You know, this pandemic has been littered with half measures, uh, just again, like the whole testing to get back in the U.S., but yet I could literally, I read a story the other day about people that are that are coming back to the U.S. and they are flying into Mexico 
and then coming across the border that way, because that way they don't have to run the risk of a negative test and then being stuck in Paris for five days or, you know, wherever, which I can imagine worse things. But, you know, you go on vacation, you need to come home. And so they're flying into Canada, Mexico or wherever they can and easily get back to the U.S. You know, it's more expensive. But as one person said, it's, you know, if I spend a thousand more dollars on my airfare, to know I can get home because I don't have to prove any sort of vaccination or testing when I drive across that border in Mexico. That's the crazy thing. And that's, what's been totally unfair. I think. Yeah, it is pretty mind boggling that, that more and more people are starting to do that. And I think that should send a message to, uh, you know, the white house there that, all right, it's time to, to switch this up. So but I'm honestly surprised it's still here. And I, I continue to wonder like when that exact rule will be lifted, but um, that is another conversation for another day as we continue to talk about the latest in cruising right now. So, John, what are some of the top trending destinations that passengers are going to these days or, or booking for future stuff as well? Seeing a lot of world cruises around there too, which is exciting. Yeah, I, I don't, that's that's not my area of expertise, but I will tell you, Alaska has really picked up steam, especially for next year. I think taking Alaska away for a year or two really you know, had a very abbreviated season last year, but, you know, back in full swing this year, I've got a couple that want to go this year, several that are already booked for next year. Um, My parents are actually a, taking their first cruise in a long time. They're, they're going to Alaska. Awesome. That was the thing that yeah, they wanted I mean, to do. I've just noticed kind of that. And then, of course, you know, with, with me being so close to several ports, it's a lot of the Caribbean, some Bahamas, yeah, right. but it's all the standard stuff, you know, Cozumel. Uh, I have, like I said, an increase in the 10 day cruises, especially that, you know, you can get on Holland America and go out of Miami or, uh, and then go around and hit all the ABC islands and, you know, hit all of that. So it's a lot of the standard stuff here. Uh, but again, maybe that's not really fair because that's just kind of what I deal with. But my big thing I've noticed is Alaska. A lot of people are excited and, and ready to get back to the last frontier. Yeah, that, that's huge for Alaska's tourism industry. They definitely needed it. They had suffered greatly with the pandemic and not being able to do cruising for so long. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing how my, my parents' experience is on that. They'll be going on Princess in August. So um, I actually got them connected with a travel advisor. They hadn't booked with one in a while. So make sure you are out there using travel advisors if you are thinking any type of vacation at all. I know we're talking cruising, but any type of vacation at all, you got, you got to jump on that uh, need of a travel advisor. So, as we wrap things up here and what the latest in cruising, I want to get a little forecast from you about the future of cruising. What sort of changes do you think the industry needs to make and as we progress forward in the cruise industry? I, I think one of the big things I touched on earlier is numbers transparency, you know, just, just kind of in general. Um, and, and cruise lines are going to have to figure this out. And this is any business, but, um, you know, I'm on TikTok quite a bit and, and, you know, those Carnival Freedom videos went viral and it felt like hours before Carnival said anything or tried to jump on it. They, they've got to become more aware that everybody carries a camera in their pocket. Like, you know, when something happens on a cruise ship, somebody's got a video of it, um, you know, and, and that's, you know, fair, unfair. But I think that's one of the big things. And, and also cruise lines are going to have to balance that line between raising fares they they really can't afford to try to make up for everything they lost all at once um they're just going to have to balance it out because eric as you know one of the most attractive things about cruising is the value you know you can there are very few vacations you can take there are none 
domestically, I would argue that you can take that provide the value that a cruise or frankly, an all-inclusive resort provides you. So they're going to have to balance that. Um, and I still think they're going to have to make more of a push with green and, and just being more environmentally responsible. Um, and they're going to, that part of that's phasing out older, smaller ships, which is difficult because so many folks love those older, smaller ships. Um, and maybe even look at building a couple of the smaller ships. You know, right now, it seems like everything's a floating city. Yeah. I think that, you know, maybe the cruise lines, Carnival, Royal, especially Norwegian, should look at. And actually, I think Prima is not the largest ship in Norwegian's fleet. It's going to be the newest, but I don't think it'll be the largest. So maybe look at dialing that back. And, you know, if I'm doing five ships over the next five or six years, you know, one, maybe not fan it for Carnival Fantasy size, maybe a Conquest size ship. Um, and then they're going to have to move some things around, especially in my market, uh, New Orleans, which is our preferred cruise port. We have two Carnival ships and they're the same class, same size, same layout. Then I have to get some variety. And I think, I think the onboard experience is going to have to get crazier and crazier. You know, we're at roller coasters now. Royal's got uh, bumper cars and ice skating. Uh, Norwegian's got all kinds of stuff too. So I think you're going to start seeing more and more. Basically, cruise lines are going to have to make ships a destination in and of themselves, especially for experienced cruisers. We've all been to Cozumel enough to last a lifetime. Um, and there aren't really a whole lot of opportunities for new ports per se. Uh, you know, Mexico's talked about one and Jamaica, you know, they're all talking about it, but those are going to take time. So I just think they have to be more creative in making a a more inclusive onboard experience. And that's the last thing I'll touch on. Uh, we got to get rid of all this $5 for this, $10 for that, $100 for this. Just do like print. I've noticed Princess and Celebrity have both done this. It's all in. You know, you have two price options, a bare bones, Holland America does it too now, a bare bones or a all included price. Um, I think consumers love the all included included price because now I know that my vacation is going to cost me $4,311 and not, oh, well, it said $2,900 in the brochure, but by the time I got to buy two drink packages, you know, Wi-Fi, this, that, and the other, that $2,900 vacation is now a $4,200 vacation. I agree. Yeah, you've got to, I think Cruise Line really needs to push more towards that all-inclusive packaging offerings, uh, at least on a variety of ships. It doesn't have to be your entire, you know, model if that's what you don't want to do. But I think you need more of that because, you know, a lot of the hardcore cruisers couldn't cruise for a while. So what they do, they went to an all-inclusive resort and got a little more taste of that. So they're going to want that. You have a set fixed price for your vacation. That is very enticing to a lot of consumers out there to be able to just go, okay, this is how much it is. Boom. I'm there. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to have a great time on this destination into itself, which is what so many cruise ships are. So I agree on that front. And that's one way you can compete against those all-inclusives because you can say, oh, you're stuck in that one spot. Sure. You get all your food and it's great and yada, yada, but I'm going to take you here. I'm going to take you there. And everything's included all for a very similar price, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little less, depending on you know, everything that's on board and where you go and all that stuff. But that's a good way to compete against those all-inclusive um, hotels out there. And yeah, I agree with you on it's got to be more eco-friendly. I'm all for some smaller ships, some bigger rooms, some better space. That's what I really want to see in the future of cruising. And obviously, a lot of cruise lines are talking about more eco-friendly and then, you know, changing of fuel and the LNG fuel different ships are going for. I think it's Holland that's pushing forward with, or Hurdy Gruden, one of those pushing forward big with a lot of eco talk so talk is great but 
five years from now, let's see some action. 10 years from now, let's see some really great stuff. So that's, that's what I talk about, you know, when, when any time the future of cruising comes up is, you know, some, some actionable, uh, meeting that talk and, and so to speak. So this has been great, John. I really appreciate it. Any final closing thoughts or words of wisdom you want to pass on to our listeners out there? I'll just say it again, travel insurance. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of my soapbox issue, but, uh, you know, just, just patience and understand that much like your local Walmart, Kroger, grocery store, whatever you have, convenience store, everybody's struggling. And this is not just cruises, but all-inclusive resorts. Everybody's struggling for staff. So just be patient. And as I remind my clients, remember, you're going on vacation. There, there are far worse things that can happen than you having to wait an extra 15 minutes for your drink while you're sitting on a cruise ship. Amen. Yes, be kind. Indeed. So thank you, John. I appreciate it. This has been a great episode talking all things cruising. So if you'd like to be on the show in the future, podcast at travelpost.com is the email. Reach out. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening.